Good morning. For those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here of New Hope Church. We're a multicultural church that loves to share hope, the hope of Jesus, the hope of community, and the hope of new life. Hope you all had a, a great Thanksgiving. I hope uh, you got to nap hard. Um, don't know if you had that, that luxury, but I hope you feel rested today. I think a number of people are still traveling, but I'm glad we could be here together and, and worship God together. Um, have you ever heard anyone say to you, just have faith? They probably looked, at, looked into, your, into your life and maybe they saw that you were cynical, maybe you were pessimistic, maybe you were anxious and they really meant, stop being so cynical, stop being so anxious, or be more positive, be more optimistic. It's probably how you interpreted their statement, just have more faith. Now, there's some merit to that. Two weeks ago, we saw that, according to the scriptures, that faith is confidence and assurance. It's confidence for what we hope for and assurance for what we do not yet see, right? So it's confidence and assurance, and that kind of sounds like optimism, right? You're optimistic, but sometimes it doesn't show up that way. And it doesn't mean that you don't have faith. There are times when people may tell you just have faith and it may not, you may not realize that you have confidence and assurance in ways that other people don't recognize. We're in a series, uh, we started one two weeks ago. Last week we had our multicultural potluck, which was, which was wonderful. But we started a series on faith and what faith actually looks like. Because when we think it's just optimism and positive thinking, we can think that we can assume that it's merely psychological and internal. But no, it's actually expressed in our lives. And for those of you who wonder, well, do I have faith in God? How do I know? How do I really know if I have faith? What does faith look like when it's made flesh? That's what this series is about. We're studying Hebrews 11 and 12. They're examples of people who had faith in the scriptures. And could this faith be found in us? Today we're looking at the faith of Moses. And I want you to ask if the faith of Moses can be found in you. If you're asking, do I have faith? Well, here we're going to see two examples, two ways that faith was seen in the life of Moses. And the first one is this. In how we want to be known. Right? In how we want to be known. So the passage that Kirby read for us was... Uh, was about the faith of Moses. And some of you may be familiar with this story. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Charlton Heston's version of the, of what, what is it? Uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, it's just the Exodus, right? Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, the Exodus. Um, or if you've seen Disney's the Prince of Egypt, I think it's for Disney. You might be somewhat familiar with the story of Moses. Pharaoh was the emperor of, uh, or the king of Egypt, and he had decreed that all Hebrew sons had to be killed. And at that time, when Moses was just a baby, Moses' parents, by faith, decided to put Moses in a basket and send him across the, the Nile um, to where Pharaoh's daughters were. And they saw this baby, baby Moses, and decided, and out of compassion, to adopt him. And so Moses, being a Hebrew child, grew up in Pharaoh's palace as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, as a prince, right? And when he was about 40 years old, though, he saw the oppression of his people, 
He saw the ways that the Egyptians were oppressing the people of Israel, and he decided that it was enough. And one day when he saw an Egyptian person uh, actually oppressing a, a Hebrew man, he decided to intervene, killed the Egyptian in the process, and fled to a place called Midian, where he was there for about 40 years. And when he was about 80 years old, God appeared to him at a, in a, through a burning bush and told him that God was going to use him to deliver his people from Egypt. Imagine hearing that when you're 80 years old. You think like, okay, now this is the time for me to retire. Things are going to settle down. And God tells you he's going to do something like that. Well, we generally think about faith, Moses' faith being expressed after that. But actually, in everything that I've said up to this point, he had faith. Where is it? Well, hopefully we can see it when we read verses 24 and 25. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. There's nothing there about positive thinking and optimism, which is the way we generally think about faith. If someone has faith, they're a really cheerful person, right? Nothing gets them down. Wow, look at their faith. It's inspiring to us. But we don't generally think about faith in this way. According to the writer of Hebrews, Moses was demonstrating faith when he no longer wanted to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter and preferred to be mistreated and associated with the people of God. He saw the treasures of Egypt and he saw the pleasures that he could have and believed there was a greater reward in being associated with and mistreated with people who had no power and who was, who was suffering. That was a step of faith, right? In, in being able to look past those empty promises and actually be associated with the people who were suffering, the people of God. Now, do you ever think about faith in this way? If you think about, maybe, maybe if you ask yourself, how do you want to be known? Have you ever thought about how the way that you want to be known can actually be directly connected to your faith? These days when we think about being known, we think of it in really individualistic terms, right? Think about like social media, how you want to express yourself. How do I want to be known? Social media is a perfect platform. Well, I say perfect. It's, it's a platform that's set up for this, right? Express your individuality. Express yourself. Right? And we fear the weight of that, of trying to express ourselves to the world and who we are, what we're like. And there's even a feedback loop, a mechanism to let you know if people like you and what you've actually presented to the world. But being known isn't purely individualistic, not even on social media. It's all about relationships. It's all about trying to be liked by a particular group of people, even if you don't know them. It's about being associated with a, a particular group. It's to be... It's to be in the inner room or in the circle among a fraternity or sorority of people. Several years ago, I was uh, decided to attend a block association meeting on my block. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those before, but it was the first one they were going to do for the year and people were getting up to introduce themselves. And it's so interesting just to sit back and listen to the way that you introduce yourself to strangers, right? They would stand up and say, for example, hi, I'm Jason. I'm a lawyer in the city. 
right? Or, hi, I'm Jason. I'm, I just came back from a developing country where I was helping the poor. Like, the way that they want to identify themselves to strangers or want to be known is by what they do, right? And even then, it's, as you're saying that, you know that you are in a certain class of people or you're, being, you're associated with a certain kind of group of people based on their prestige or how reputable they are in society. Now, imagine if I stood up and I decided to introduce myself by saying, hi, I'm Jason, but instead of identifying myself by what I do, I identify myself by who I belong to, right? I'm Jason, I'm the husband of Jothi, right? I'm father to Brielle and Liam, and one on the way. They'd be like, what? Like, who, who introduces themselves like that? Well, in the West, we want to be known by what we do. This is not so in India. Like, I, there's like an Indian conference that takes place every year where Indians get together uh, in, in the state that I'm from called Kerala. And if I see people at that conference, like, they don't want to know what I do. They'll, they'll, they'll ask me one question. Who are your parents? Right? Because they think, like, if I can hear who your parents are, I know what town you're from, and I, maybe I know somebody else who's in that area. They want you to be identified by your relationships. Earlier, I introduced myself as a lead pastor of New Hope Church, but the truth is, if you want to know a more accurate description of who I am, I'm, I'm Jason. I'm son of James and Susan. Born in India, raised in Oklahoma City, rescued by Jesus from a life of sin and brokenness. That's who I am. And here what you see is Moses did not want to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. All the prestige and treasure and pleasure and power that comes with that, his act of faith was the decision to be associated with the people of God and even suffer alongside them. That is a statement of faith. It's the confidence and assurance despite the contrary evidence and counter-arguments. And what I mean is, it's confidence and assurance when there are so many reasons to believe otherwise. The power of Egypt. Pleasures at your disposal. Treasure. Whatever you want. It takes a certain degree of, of faith, right? It's confidence and assurance in the midst of that to believe otherwise. To look at that and say, no, the greater reward, the true power is being associated with God and his people. So here's my question. A couple of them, okay? Think about how you want to be known and with whom you want to associate. What does that reveal about your faith? We're not talking about optimism. We're not talking about your psychology, your inner feelings, and positive thinking. Think about how you want to be known. What do you want people to say about you when they look at you? What do you want them to know about you? Now, I'm not saying it's wrong for people to know that you buy you by your trade or your craft. Or I'm not saying that that's wrong. But when you're thinking about where your treasure is, what you value, how do you want to be known? When you think about the groups of people you want to be associated with, like, I'm with them. Is it Jesus and his, and his ragtag group of followers? Right? Is that how you want to be known? Is it with, you want to be known to, that you're, because you're associated with people in positions of power, the prince of Egypt? Or would you actually be willing to be associated with people who are suffering and who have no clout, no power? 
What if in all the ways we try to be known and all the associations we can have, what if there's a way where our greatest identity is that we belong to Jesus and his assortment of followers? People who aren't perfect. People who admit that they fail again and again and again. People who admit they need grace and admit that their greatest hope and their greatest treasure is Jesus. So that's the first thing we see. When faith is made flesh in the life of Moses, to have the faith seen in Moses, it's seen in how we want to be known. The second thing here, it's in whom we fear. It's in whom we fear. Let me read verse 27 and 28 for us. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because of him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. So where else do we see Moses' faith expressed? Well, we see it in who he feared. He didn't fear Pharaoh. He feared God. Now what does that mean? Well, if you look at the, what the Bible says about Fear, you got to take everything in context, right? You, gotta, you can't just take one verse and therefore come up with a definition of what it means to fear God. You have to look at what the entire biblical witness says. And so there are times where people think about who God is or they have a, an experience with God and it causes them to tremble. And that's an appropriate reaction when you think about coming near the creator of the universe, the God who imagined the laws of physics and, and created the stars and planets and galaxies, right? That's, it, trembling can be an appropriate response when you think about His holiness. But then there are verses like in Psalm 25 that says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. Well, you don't fear your friends, right? That means that you, there's intimacy there. Right? There's a closeness with this person who is so different, so infinitely other than you. There is this relationship. There's intimacy there. There are times when, when Jesus uh, would, would, would say, Do not fear those who could kill your body, and, you know, but, but fear Him who, can actually, who has the power to judge you and, and, and can send you to hell, is what Jesus says. But then right after that, He says, But fear not, because... God takes care of the sparrows of the air and dresses the lilies of the field in your word so much more than him, more than they. And what he's basically saying is to fear God in that moment is to think about all that he is, but at the same time, take his love and his care and his grace into consideration as well. So I've said this to you before, if you, if you, if no one remembers what I say, but like, I'll just go ahead and say it again. When you take all of that into consideration, to fear God, when you don't fear people who could destroy you, when you don't fear Pharaoh, it's to regard and revere God as the most important person to consider in every situation and circumstance. So what does that look like? When nobody's watching and I'm all alone, and there are things that I can get away with, God is the most important person to consider in that situation. That's what it means to fear Him. I regard and I revere Him as the most important person to consider. When there's suffering and everything is, is, a, is telling me not to trust in God, all the odds are against me. To revere and regard as the most important person, that's to, to fear God is to consider God in that moment and not the odds as the most per, important person to consider. 
You can look at this again and again and again. And here in the life of Moses, you see that Pharaoh was a dangerous man. The danger was real. But so was God's goodness and God's love and God's wisdom and his power and authority. And Moses in that situation didn't fear Pharaoh because he feared God as the most important person to consider. So here's an opportunity to practice, right? This is not just about listening to me or listening to, like, here's an opportunity to exercise faith. What is making you fearful today? What is making you anxious? What danger is real to you? I want you to think about that. Let's go through this right now. Think about that. As you hold that in your head, I want you to think about God and God's goodness and God's love, God's grace for you, God's compassion, God's mercy. And as you hold those two things in your mind, would you regard God and who He is as the most important person to consider? I love what it says in verse 27 that he did not fear Pharaoh and he was willing, he was able to persevere because he saw him who is invisible. (laughs) It's like that, to me that describes faith in so many ways. It's being able to have an eye for the one who is invisible. In every circumstance, like I asked you to think about something that's making you fearful and giving you anxiety where the danger is. Like, can you develop an eye for the one that nobody else can see And believe that he's the one that should be taken into consideration. Above the things that you can see. That is faith. Being able to see the invisible one in every decision, in every circumstance. You may say, Jason, well, how do you see a person who's invisible? Well, we are... Somebody's Siri just went off. I don't know if it's mine. (laughs) How do you... How do you... (laughs) <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's good. <laughs> How do you see someone who's invisible? Well, the greatest expression of who God is is made visible in Jesus Christ and what the scripture says about him. And for you today, to see, have an eye for the one who's invisible is to know what the Bible says about Jesus, the king who is crucified for our sins and risen from the dead and reigns today to cling to what the gospel and what the scripture says about Jesus with all of your heart and believe that over everything else that would try to convince you otherwise. It's to know his goodness, his nearness, his love, his power, and trust in his authority. So let me try to give you a story that might bring these things together. Um, when I was 25, I had the opportunity to be a chaplain of a college in India. So I had the chance to work with college students, and um, I had just graduated from seminary, and I thought, when else will I ever be relevant to college students? So I decided to go and, and be a chaplain of a college when I had the opportunity. Um, and I, I, I didn't stay on campus, but I had the opportunity to stay with the chairman or the president of the college. I got to stay in his home for about a year and a half when I was there. And this man was revered in town. He was a great leader, 
but he was revered in town, meaning like people who, whom he did not know would recognize him and salute, right? Not like this, but like Indian people a lot of times will touch their chest as a way of honoring, you know, or like, you know. So people would, would honor him, would, would respect him, random people he didn't know. When he, would, when he was driving, like <laughs> oncoming traffic would stop to let him pass when they would recognize it was him. Right? This is, I mean, he just had that kind of esteem and that kind of respect and, and reverence in town. So whenever I was in a new, new environment and, and people you know, asked me who I was, I would name drop, right? Like, hey, I'm, I'm with the president of the college or like I, I know the chairman of the college and it'd be amazing to see the kind of doors that would open up when you would do that. Now, I want you to imagine if we flew back to, flew back to Manhattan and he's with me. And nobody knows him. Nobody's going to salute him, right? Like, nobody cares. <laughs> no trap is going is to stop to let him get through. Not in New York City, right? And in that situation, if I was asked to identify myself in a society that doesn't esteem him, would I still see the greatest treasure in being associated with him? Would I still want to identify myself by my relationship to him? Would it still be my boast? And I want you to feel this tension because this is what it can be like to try to apply what you see happening here in the life of Moses. You can have a lot going for you. You can have wealth and possessions and fame, the treasures of Egypt. You can be known as a prince and imagine all of that. And yet you choose to identify yourself by what society does not esteem and does not care about. To be identified primarily by your relationship to Jesus and his ragtag group of followers. And regard him in that moment in a city that does not esteem him, to regard him as the most important person to consider, even if nobody else sees it but you. And if that's the case, great is your faith, New Hope Church. I think in some ways, just by being here, right, you regard God in some way that's important to consider. And to be associated with this group of people who look different than you and are from different places than you, and you're like, wow, who would ever put us in a room together, right? Like, to be associated with people whose greatest treasure is that Jesus knows us and loved us and has saved us and redeemed us and promises to restore us when that is your treasure, even if you don't have butterflies and even if you don't feel positive, and may not be optimistic, great is your faith. People can say to you, just have more faith. But I think us being here today is an opportunity for that. In how we want to be known and whom we fear. Let's pray. I hope you know this by now, but um, it, this is always an opportunity to come with your, your fears and your anxieties or whatever faith you can muster. 
you can come with your doubts. Like, we're here to gain strength for the week. We don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now or five days from now, but we're here to gain strength for today and for the week. And so just come as you are and ask God for faith. Father, as we prayed earlier this morning, Lord, you know our hearts where we're impoverished, Lord, in our faith. You know the ways that we are tempted to be known and you know the things in our life that we fear more than you, that we regard more than we regard you. Lord, we thank you that we can admit it before you. That you welcome us. And that you will grant us faith, Lord. I pray that for my brothers and sisters right now. As Dylan sings and as they reflect and they pray quietly in their hearts. I pray that you would put your hand upon them. Give them eyes to see the one who is invisible that you would give them faith. In Christ's name.